young woman named Jennifer attended a church in Texas where Randy Frazee preaches, and Jennifer had a big dream. She dreamed of becoming a nurse. She wanted to serve people. She had this very compassionate heart, very loving nature about her, and she wanted to make a difference in the lives of hurting people. Well, she knew it would take a miracle for her to be able to go to nursing school because she just lived with her mom and her little brother, and they had no money. There was no tuition. And yet all through high school, she worked very hard. She got very good grades. And at the end of high school, she applied to a strong nursing school in her area. And she was accepted. She was elated that she was accepted in a nursing school. But there was another half of the story, and that was she had to come up with money to go there. So she tried every means possible, really didn't come up with much of anything. And so she decided she'd have to put off her dream. She'd have to just get a job. She'd have to start working and saving all she could. So she did. She worked very hard. She had a special box that she had found and, and put in her, her bedroom under her bed, and she stored her money there. And as she would make money each week and she had a little bit extra, she'd throw it in there, and that was her kind of her college fund box. And week after week she would do that. This went on for several months. Well, her little brother was 14 years old, and he had a habit of getting into trouble. He was in trouble with the police for stealing. He kept trying to skip school. He was doing some drugs. Different things were going on in his life. And so she would stand up for him everything, every time she got a chance to do that. But it was really hard. You know, sometimes uh, she felt like he needed to get the punishment and so on that he deserved. But other times she just batted, went to bat for him. And so this went on for several months. She kept making money, getting ready for nursing school someday. But it seemed like a pretty far off dream. One day she went to put some more money in her box and discovered that everything had been taken out of there except for $20. And she knew who the culprit was. She knew that it was her brother. You know, personal betrayal cuts us to the core, doesn't it? To have somebody that you love, somebody that you stood for, somebody that you helped in every way, now undercut you and take your money away for your dreams. 20 bucks was all that was left. It's hard for her to keep her chin up. It's hard for her to keep going. And her dream nearly died. I want you to know something this morning. I want you to know something that no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, as much as it may not seem like it at times, God is in control. God is in control. God is, is working in an upper story to achieve his will, even though the lower, lower story of our lives is very difficult, even though that lower story may be the pits. God sees our suffering. God sees our trouble. And he is not overwhelmed. He is not panicked by our problems in the way that we often are. Our trials are just part of this lower story where we live in a fallen world of sin and, and sickness and of death. But God continues to write his upper story to achieve his goals, his purpose. Sometimes it seems like his timing isn't so good, like he's too late or he's too early. But afterwards, we can look back many times and see that God was perfect in his timing. One word describes God's control, and that's the word sovereignty. It means that God can accomplish whatever he sets out to do. Simply put, God is king. God's king. Whatever God wants is what God gets. God achieves. God uh, accomplishes whatever he sets out to do. He is not put off. He is not denied. And so Joseph had to learn the hard way, the truth of that. Joseph was carried off by the Ishmaelite human traffickers. He soon found himself on an auction block in Egypt. 
Thankfully, he was purchased by a respectable Egyptian official, Potiphar. Christian told us about that. And then Potiphar's wife went after Joseph, and Joseph had to deny her, reject her advances. And then she got upset and angry with him and accused him of trying to advance on her and got him thrown into prison when her husband responded angrily. Somehow Joseph found a way to carry on. He realized that even though things were difficult and he was thrown in prison now, the best thing to do is just keep doing the right thing. And so he kept doing the right thing. He kept trusting God. He started helping the warden of the prison. He eventually was put in charge of that whole prison. He knew that with Joseph in charge, things would go well. And it just so happened that Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker were thrown into the exact same prison where Joseph was. They had been... Uh, somehow accused of something by Pharaoh, and he had them thrown into prison. They both had dreams there, and Joseph successfully interpreted those dreams. The one was that the baker was going to be hung. He was going to be executed for his crimes, which came true, but that the cupbearer was going to be restored to his position close to the king, daily contact with Pharaoh, and that was true also. As he left prison the day he was going to be reinstated, Joseph said to him, please remember me. If he's still here in prison, please remember me. But the cupbearer promptly forgot him. As he left the jail, he promptly forgot Joseph. Finally, Pharaoh had some dreams too. And all the magicians and wise men of Egypt tried to interpret those dreams. Of course, they couldn't. And suddenly it hit the cupbearer, who's overhearing all of this. Oh, there was this young man in prison. There's this guy named Joseph. He could interpret dreams. Why don't we call on him? And so he is brought up from the prison, cleaned up, brought before Pharaoh. And he successfully interprets Pharaoh's dreams, which were that there were going to be seven years of plenty, seven years when everything was going to grow perfectly. They're going to have the best crops, best harvest they'd ever had. And then seven years of famine were going to follow. And Joseph said, Pharaoh, this is a good time for you to figure out somebody that could prepare Egypt for the future that could take those seven years and set things aside and store them. And then when the seven years of famine came, we would be prepared for that. And Pharaoh said, there's nobody wiser than you. You're the only one that could interpret the dream. Why don't you take the job? And he makes Joseph second in command only to Pharaoh. Several times God's word says in Genesis, and the Lord was with Joseph. And man, was he. It probably didn't always seem that way to Joseph, did it? You know, when he first got sold into slavery, when he first got thrown into prison, when he got forgotten by the cupbearer, it didn't seem like God was with him. And yet every time, God is with him, and God brings him back to the top. Twenty long years pass, twenty years of hardship, before he finally became the deputy pharaoh of Egypt. God's hand was on his shoulder. God's hand was strengthening him and guiding him along the way until God's perfect time came. We need to hear that, don't we? Because the Lord is with us also. This is, Christian was pointing out, God is with us. God has a plan for us. God's word makes a fantastic promise to all of us in Romans 8.28. Some of you know it. Romans 8.28 simply says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God has ability to take all of the bad things that happen to us and make something good come out of them eventually in his time. Other people took advantage of Joseph. Other people had their own agendas. They didn't care what happened to Joseph. Other people misunderstood the things that were going on. Even people with good intentions 
sometimes make bad mistakes and we suffer. But God was faithful. And God was slowly but surely moving Joseph toward the destiny that he was preparing him for. You see, when we look at the, the lower story, when we look at what's happening on planet Earth, we see over and over again that man fails. Man is failing all over. Man is messing up. Joseph suffered at the hands of many people, his brothers who hated him because their little brother was chosen to rule over them. He was falsely accused of rape by Potiphar's wife because she had selfish motives. Joseph was forgotten by the cupbearer because he was too thrilled at being reinstated to remember the guy who helped make that happen. Reading these parts of Joseph's story and many like them, we see man fails. And we may ask, where is God? Why doesn't God do something? Why doesn't God intervene? Why doesn't God answer my prayers? Why doesn't God do what I expect God to do? When you look at the lower story, man fails. But when you look at the upper story, you see that God's plan prevails. That God always accomplishes what he sets out to do. God's sovereign fingerprints are all over Joseph's life. And Joseph knew it, finally, in the end. Look at all that God did for Joseph. God revealed himself in his plan to Joseph in his dreams early in his life. God prevented his brothers from killing him, even though he was allowed to become a slave. God providentially put Joseph in Potiphar's household so there'd be some connection back through to Pharaoh's throne. God providentially allowed Joseph to go to a certain prison where he ended up interpreting the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker. The cupbearer remembered Joseph when Pharaoh needed his dreams interpreted. The right connection was made. God provided Joseph with prophetic dream interpretations. God used Pharaoh to promote Joseph to deputy Pharaoh in this superpower nation of the world so that he could save his own people, his own family, the nation God was creating. And Joseph finally recognized God's sovereign place to save both his family and the world through him. We see, it was, was Joseph starting to understand this upper story. What is God doing? What is God up to? What is God achieving? So that he could make sense of what was happening, things that were so wrong in his own life. When Joseph's brothers came to Egypt, they were begging for food. The whole world was starving. We're two years into the famine now, and there's five years to go. Joseph saw them. He recognized them, but he didn't reveal who he was at first. And we would think that Joseph would take revenge on them. You know, 20 years is a long time to think about what your brothers did to you. I heard of a guy last week who got out of prison, and somebody had, had wronged him, and all through his time in prison, he decided, when I get out, I'm going to kill that guy. And the very day he got out, that's what he did. He went and he killed the other guy. He got caught. Now he's in prison again. You know, his own, his own life was ruined by this idea of revenge, of getting even, of getting back at somebody. But Joseph doesn't. Why? Why doesn't he think revenge? Because Joseph is captured by this upper story of what God is doing. And Joseph says, I want to fit into that. I want to be part of that. Read along with me in Genesis 45. It says that he explains to them what happened. It says, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Imagine, 20 years later, I am Joseph. 
Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there's been famine in the land. And for the next five years there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. God had created a new nation through Joseph's great-grandfather Abraham. And now it was up to God to provide a way for that new nation to survive during the years of a worldwide famine. God's upper story was being achieved in Joseph's lower story life. He declared to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. There it is, the story of God in one man's life. Redemption, the saving of planet Earth, of all mankind in a, in a soundbite. The Messiah was going to come many years later. Jesus was going to come, and he was going to be the Savior of the whole world. But here is a little picture of what God was doing in the upper story, the big picture. Joseph's life is a precursor reminding us that man fails, but God prevails every time. At the beginning of this story, I told you about Jennifer. I didn't finish Jennifer's story. Randy Frazee first learned about Jennifer when he preached a sermon one day on forgiveness. He was preaching about how forgiveness damages the person that can't forgive and damages the person who needs the forgiveness. And that God can do an amazing healing thing when the person who has been harmed, the person who has been wronged, the person who has been offended or betrayed, finds it within God's grace to forgive the person who hurt them. Jennifer heard that message. Randy didn't know who she was, but she sat there thinking about her and her brother. And she decided in that moment that she was going to forgive her brother for taking her money, for ruining her dreams of becoming a nurse. And she wrote a little note right there in church that day, and she just explained, this is what I'm doing. I'm forgiving my brother. I want you to know that your sermon had that effect. And here's $20. She attached her $20 bill to it. She said, this is the last $20 that I have left. It was in my box that my brother didn't take. And I'm giving that to God today because I want to show God that I am all in, that I am all in to trusting Him. I'm trusting Him for my future. I'm trusting Him for whatever is going to happen. And I'm going to forgive as He tells me I must forgive. And I'm going to make things right with my brother. Well, she left that note in the $20 where Randy could find it. It was simply signed Jennifer, and he didn't know who Jennifer was. So all week long, he's trying to figure out who this girl is. Never came up with the answer. Next Sunday, came around, and he decided, I'm going to share that note with my congregation. Went into the first worship service of the day, and he shared that note, and he said, this is, this is what's happened. People are forgiving. This is a great story. I don't know who Jennifer is, but this, this is wonderful. I want to share that with you. At the end of that first service, three families from the church came up, and they said, we want to figure out who that is because we want to pay her way through college. Not just the first year, but all four years. And they're almost fighting over the opportunity to do that. 
And so Randy got to the second service, and he preached the same message, shared the same letter again. He said, this is a letter I want you to know about. People are forgiving people, and this young lady has chosen to do it, but I don't know who she is. At the end of the service, he said, if you wrote the letter, would you come and talk to me afterwards? I have something to tell you. And timidly, after the service, Jennifer walked up to Randy, and she said, I'm Jennifer. I'm the one that wrote the note. And he said, well, just a minute. I want to introduce you to somebody. And he pulled these three families in. He said, these people have offered to pay your way to a nursing school. And she stood there and cried uncontrollably, tears of disbelief at first, but then tears of joy. God is sovereign. Period. God is in control. He gives us tremendous freedom, and we mess things up. But eventually, he's going to hammer out his plan in just the way he wants things to finish. He is going to achieve his purpose on this world. God will not intervene in every situation. So you're going to have some trials in your life, and so will I, where we don't understand, where things don't just get fixed. God doesn't answer the way we expect him to, not immediately. But God always promises to bring good out of every evil situation for those of us who are called according to his purpose that are, that are looking for that upper story. Our goal is simply to be faithful. Our goal is to be holy, to be ready to be used by God and to be like Joseph was when he first became a slave, when he first thrown into prison and when he first started serving as deputy pharaoh. His duty was to just go do his job and to do it faithfully, to do it well, to trust God and to let the rest of the future rest in God's hands. If you're in hard times, some of you are facing some really difficult things. I know some of those stories, some I don't even know. But if you're in hard times, I want you to hear something today and that is God wants to encourage you. Just hold on. Just keep doing what you know to do. Keep trusting God. Keep, keep trusting Him for this upper story to be achieved in your life because God loves you and God is with you and God has a plan for you. Trust Him that He's going to come through. Knowing that God's story is unfolding, even when it seems it is not, allows us to live free of fear, free of worry. And here's another thing. It allows us to forgive the people around us. It allows us to give them grace, as Joseph did. Our lives can make a difference for someone else's eternity. Our lives can change whether they come to know God or not, and whether or not they go to live with God forever or not. My life and yours can make a difference in somebody else's life. So hang in there. Because who knows what great plans God may have in store for your life and mine. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would bless us today, uh, that you would use our lives to your glory. Sometimes we really don't understand what's going on. Sometimes through no fault of our own, we're in trouble. We're in deep trouble. Or we're in heartache. And it's not something we did, but somebody did something to us. And Father, we just acknowledge that. We acknowledge our confusion. We acknowledge our pain. But we also choose not to worry, but to trust, to rest in you, and to realize that here in this lower story, man fails, but in the upper story, you always prevail. And I pray today that you would be 
uh, in our hearts to strengthen us, to guide us, to protect us, even to intervene when it is the right time for you to do that. Lord, we trust you completely with our lives, with our futures. And if somebody is struggling here today and they're faced with things that they've never dealt with before and they seem to be overwhelming them, just help them, Lord, to grab onto you and to realize that you are never overwhelmed, you are never surprised, you are never panicked by any circumstance of our lives. May we hold on to you today, Father. And may we have the grace and the strength we need for today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.